It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, and you are listening to the sweetest sounds, the sultry tones, the boisterous boys, the Joint Practices Podcast. Get it, fellas. Yo, welcome into the Joint Practices Podcast. Back in the saddle tonight, folks. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter, at 11thegoat. And I'm joined tonight by my buddy from another muddy, Mr. Super Sticky Steve Knox on the Twitter bird at the Knox says, what's good, Soup? Hey, welcome back. I feel like it's... It is not good to be back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that much, but it's good to, uh, good to be doing this with you again. I did miss the pod. Well, doing the podcast while I was awake. I'm so sorry that the... Wonderful listeners of the Joint Practices Podcast, the podcast for fans by fans like us, did not get a chance to hear me trying to stay awake after a long day at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> trying to give my picks. But luckily, Stephen nobly stepped in and delivered my picks exactly as I would have. <laughs> that was the so, best part of any podcast we've ever had. I didn't know that happened. So like, when I was just listening to the playback... I was fully expecting to hear myself, and I wanted to hear how tired I was, and then I hear Steven's smartass, so I was like, oh, here we go, this fucking guy. But Steven is not going to join us tonight, he's got some family stuff going on, so just the two-man weave again, and we'll get into it. The trade deadline has come and gone. Before we do our recaps of this week's game, I want to talk about some of this trade news because it's relevant, just happened. Akeem Tlaib exiled from the Rams with a fifth-round pick to Miami for a future draft pick in what is essentially a salary dump by the Rams, probably to make room for Ramsey's big deal. Yeah, you have to imagine. I mean, Tlaib's been beat up all year long, so uh, sucks for the him. The best part is <laughs> his, I mean, he probably won't ever play for Miami. Like, he's on IR until at least week 15, right, so... Yeah. I mean, it's he probably won't even play for them. <laughs> it's kind of a question of like how much he has left too. Like, he might be done. We never know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll get paid the rest of this year, and I think he has money owed to him next year. And then, yeah, the chance. He gone. Man, talk about like thanks for nothing. They <laughs> sent you down to Miami. Like, goddamn, brutal, savage, even. Yeah, the Rams did him wrong. <laughs> Ego. And the blockbuster trade that all Eagles fans were waiting for did not happen. Instead, the Eagles traded a 2021 fourth round pick to Cleveland for Gennard Avery. He is a hybrid linebacker defensive end. He's going to play defensive end for the Eagles. Not the trade we wanted, the trade we got. At least you made a move. I mean, this was the trade deadline, as I saw on Twitter. Like, yeah, teams that should have been bad. selling, just holding on to all their assets, and teams that should be buying and looking to, you know, improve their their place in some of these uh, division races right now. It's like, nobody, everybody was scared to pull the trigger. It was so weird. I don't mind the trade, other than the fact that the Eagles now have seven defensive ends and only three healthy defensive tackles. There's got to be something going on there where some of these defensive ends are going to kick inside, like 
Vinny Curry. He's a big dude. Brennan Graham's done it and done it well. So maybe it's just masking a deficiency until we can get some guys healthy. But uh, the the whole trade deadline thing really bothers me. And I know you and I were speaking earlier off the air in the locker room of stenches. Just the dairy boys. <laughs> we some dairy boys. No, but we were chatting about the whole trade deadline where all these teams, like if you're committing to a rebuild and you got guys leaving in free agency, why are you not getting something for them? You know, an extra fifth, sixth round pick is just, you know, an extra lottery ticket. Yeah, you never know, know, to hit on a player. Yeah. So, I mean, you're trying to do a rebuild. You're trying to get tons of young talent in there. This guy's just going to walk anyways. And I hate the argument that, yeah, but if he signs a big deal, we'll get a better comp pick. That's great. That comp pick will not come to you until the following year. So you won't get that till the 2021 draft. It's not helping you next year. Yeah. So I don't like that argument any either. It seems like a lot of teams are asking, like their asking price was like way too high. Especially for some of these Way teams that are, you know, already in the toilet this year. It's just like, I don't know. Does it just, it baffles me. Like you said, if you, you're you not going to, you know, pick up an extra pick, you know, in the following year, who could be somebody who completely turns around your, you know, your franchise. Look at Tom Brady, freaking six-round pick. Like, you just never know. So, for some of these teams not to make any moves is just baffling, really. The Jets. For one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're one in five, okay? They obviously have a new GM and a coach who didn't pick a majority of the players on the roster. They have the quarterback. They have a piece on defense, Quinn and Williams, Jamal Adams. Just dump these guy, other guys and build your team the way you want it as the GM and the coach. Because apparently Gase doesn't want Le'Veon Bell either. So Yeah, I heard that there Just, were like six or seven teams that were calling the Jets about Jamal Adams. Nobody, they didn't bite on any of them. No, I. their asking price was they wanted more than um, the Rams gave up for Ramsey. So, <laughs> no, no thanks. But like they have a guy like Robbie Anderson who is going to, you know, he's a free agent at the end of the year. They are letting him go. But their asking price for Robbie Anderson was a second-round pick for a guy who is leaving in free agency anyways. And their whole comp pick argument doesn't make any sense because they they wouldn't budge off a second-round pick for Robbie Anderson. He's not going to net you a second-round comp pick. Just for comparison, Nick Foles signed that mega deal with the Jags, and he's only expected to net the Eagles third round pick which when you think about a comp pick it's the last picks of that round so right. it's the last picks of the third round basically like an early fourth round pick and that was for Nick Foles deal do you think Robbie Anderson is going to find any deal anywhere that is going to net more than a third no i can't imagine that he, no i mean he could he could sign a big deal anywhere and it would probably, at wide receiver pay, only net them 
a fifth, or a fourth. So you had teams rumored, like the Eagles, that were offering a third or a fourth. Started at a fourth. They went up to a third. And you said no to both of those for a guy that's just going to walk in eight games. You're going to get him for eight more games. You could have got a third-round pick for that. Yeah, not not wise. There's a reason that the Jets have been terrible for well ever since they fired Rex Ryan, really. But you'd think Joe Douglas, coming from Philly, would understand, you know, how to get the most value you can out of your players, you know, while they're remaining contracts and whatnot. You'd think he would learn that he was hired as a GM for a reason. Pretty much everybody decided not to trade anyone, so I don't know if anybody else has a blister on their finger from refreshing Twitter, (laughs) but what a waste of my goddamn time. Absolutely. But before we finish up on the trade deadline and talk about the recaps here, I have a little bit of a rant to go on because if you listen to this podcast at all, you will know I am always a in Howie We Trust guy. I think he's a great GM. What he did for the Eagles to put them in position for the Super Bowl run, all that was awesome. He's a master at manipulating the cap. That's awesome. But I'm just wondering, when do we as fans get to a point where we start to question Howie's ability to value draft picks versus veteran versus you know young talent? I'm going to use Robbie Anderson right now because the Eagles needed another wide receiver. They need somebody that can catch. They could definitely benefit from some more speed. We'll get back to the speed thing in a second, but I just wanted to say that the fact that Howie could not land anyone at the wide receiver position with all the guys that were rumored to be out there, Devontae Parker, A.J. Green, um, Robert Foster in Buffalo, who is one I would like to have because he is very quick. And then Robbie Anderson was the hot ticket name. I mean, I'd love to have him here. Let me, Steve, I showed you these stats earlier, but I'm just going to go through yeah. them real quick. Over the fast of the last five games, we'll start with Nelson Aguilar, who's played 285 snaps on offense. He has 11 catches for 93 yards and a fumble. Alshon has 282 snaps, 25 catches, 268 yards, Two touchdowns. Productive wide receiver. That's pretty good. You'd like him to have more yards, maybe some more catches over five games, but, you know, that's an NFL caliber receiver. Yeah, 10 yards per catch. I think he's one of those guys that you expect more, like, closer to 20. Yeah, you would like them to be able to move the ball a lot further, a lot quicker. But then this is where the problem comes in. You have Mac Collins over the last five games, 100 82 snaps, he's got one catch for 13 yards. In the last two games, he has zero targets. Never mind catches, zero targets. The ball hasn't even been thrown to him in the last two games. He is a starter on this football team. And then you have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the second-round pick, who was, you know, he dropped the game-winning catch against the Lions. How much different this kid's life could be if he just holds on to that ball, we'll never know. But in the last five games, he's reduced to 29 snaps, no catches, no yards, no touchdown. 
Oh, nothing. Why is this kid not on the field? Is he really that much worse than Mac Collins not getting a target in two games? Right. These wide these wide receivers, they just they can't get open. And when they do get open, and Carson makes a good throw, they're either dropping it, they catch it, and then they fumble. Like all this nonsense. How do you this is circling back to Howie? How do we not criticize him as a fan base for not getting another receiver? There's got to be some change there. Somebody else has got to step up because teams are starting to just take away Zach Ertz. And we got to give Dallas Goddard credit because he's definitely coming on. He is definitely a threat people have to game plan for now. But the lack of speed on this team is making you know the defenses play closer to the line of scrimmage. And these receivers are not separating. They're not getting open because there's no threat of the speed. Now, Deshaun's coming back. He might play against the Bears this week, which would be great. But I'm going to say right now, the whole narrative of you only need one speed guy, like Deshaun's had soft tissue injuries basically his whole career. I think he's only had a 16-game season once. So you're putting all your eggs in that guy's basket. I hate the narrative that you you only need one. You have everybody says, "Oh, well, we have Deshaun. That's great. Why can't we have two, three speed receivers on this team? Why can't you have more speed? Look at the Chiefs. I think Sammy Watkins is the only guy that's not considered a speed guy, and he still moves like a freaking Ferrari guy." <laughs> I just dumb is people I don't get that argument that we have Deshaun so we don't need any more speed. Look what happened last year. We had Mike Wallace and he broke his leg in the second game. And the wheels fell off the offense the whole year. Yeah. Adding a second speed receiver would just benefit this team so much that if Deshaun has to come off the field, there's still somebody out there that you have to respect which means you can't drop all that coverage, which is going to open Ertz and Jeffrey to make these, you know, underneath intermediate plays. It's hard not to be frustrated as a fan base. Like, I'm obviously not a professional. I'm not a GM. I probably wouldn't make it as a GM in one day. One day job, couldn't do it. I'd fail. i get fired by breakfast. Breakfast. It's hard not to criticize when I can see there's a glaring need. I see these numbers and I. It's just negligent. Are you that naive that you think this roster can win the Super Bowl as is? Because let me tell you what you have wins against Luke Falk. Who the hell would he? Oh, Josh Allen, who missed a lot of throws. We'll get into that in a minute. And then Case Keenum, and I'll give you the Green Bay. That was a legit win. The team played great. But you've also lost to the Lions. You got dismantled by the Vikings. You got embarrassed by the Cowboys. You're playing these better teams, and you look like garbage. You play these subpar teams, you look all right. Now, if they could just be what they were against Green Bay every week... I'd say we have a really good 
you know, I'd be okay standing pat at the trade deadline. But you have glaring holes. You want to throw all your eggs into the Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills basket? Ugh. Fine, but here we go. I mean, you said it, and with, uh, you know, Deshaun coming back from injury, maybe they felt like, you know, that's all they needed. But, I mean, when a receiver gets hurt, you know, and they come back, like, there's always that opportunity that, you know, that injury is going to flare up again. And if he is sidelined again, you're in that same situation where, you know, you just, you, you've got nothing. Like, it, it is pretty inexcusable for them to not have at least gone out and tried to find someone. Um, even Usain Bolt reached out to the Patriots and said, hey, if you guys need a receiver, I can play. Here's a speedy guy for you. Well, the thing is, they also have two guys on the practice squad that are considered speed guys. You're getting nothing out of these guys. What does it hurt to bring one of those guys up and see what happens when you put a little bit of speed on the field? Yeah, because even if you know you don't want to play your rookie, aren't they go white side? It's like, why not bring somebody else in there? For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Very bizarre. <laughs> this uh, season for the Eagles has been like, Almost Vikings esque, uh, you know, like a few years ago, where it, our issue then was we don't have a quarterback who can throw the ball down the field, so that's why we're not throwing down the field. Not that we don't have guys that can make plays down there, but so it's like the opposite, but it feels the same. You know what I mean? It's like the insanity thing where you're doing the same shit, expecting different results. Well, you get them when you play subpar teams, but. And even the Washington game, they were <laughs> down, what, 21-7? Oh, yeah, that's true. All right, so let's get into some recaps then. Steven's not here, so we get to dissect the Packers over the Chiefs. I'll give the Packers credit. They definitely saw on tape what the Chiefs can't defend, and they just kept doing it over and over and over, and that was throwing to the running backs. Getting the running backs in space is a nightmare when you're pay- playing Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Yeah, I look for uh, the Vikings to replicate some of those plays because when you get those speedy backs out on a, you know, linebacker who can't, you know, can't play coverage on a, a tight end anyway. Never mind a guy that's gonna, you know, school him in a forty-yard dash. But yeah, what a. <laughs> What what a bunch of great calls there by uh, Mr. Lafleur, opening up that uh, running back wheel route. God, Mike McCarthy was watching that game at home. Like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, seriously. He refused to throw to his running backs. I never got it. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you were just talking about you know not being able to assess the talent that you have and. Well, it was a big swing and a miss by Mr. McCarthy. It was when your running back catches seven balls for 159 yards and two touchdowns. And just, holy shit. Yeah, but the <laughs> glaring weakness there for, for the Chiefs. So, hopefully the Vikings are paying attention. Yeah, because, well, I mean, no Mahomes in this game. And yet, this was a one-score game. I mean, 31-24, it's a one-score game. And I thought early on that it was just gonna, it was gonna be all Green Bay. You know, they went up fourteen nothing early, and I was like, oh, here we go. 
about time to uh, hit the old dusty trail. And then uh, Kansas City comes back and scores 17 unanswered points, puts themselves in the lead. It was like, wow, we finally have a game. Also, I hope that the Vikings were paying attention to uh, what Nicole Hardman was doing out there. Holy crap, that guy's fast. They're going to put Xavier Rhodes on him? That's not going to... Not gonna go well. Well, he only plays eight snaps a game. It's I don't know if Andy Reid is just trying to trickle him into a workload or not, but after seeing that guy <laughs> with the ball in his hands, I'm getting him on the field a lot more. Oh, without a doubt. But I mean, between him and Tyreek Hill, it's just there's so much speed. And even, you know, get a guy like Sammy Watkins out there. Um, Wait, you can have two speed guys on the field at the same time? It's a shocker, I know, but yes, you can do it. <laughs> Kansas City definitely has a lot of speed on their team. So All they have. I mean, I was... They just run it. I, I was impressed that Matt Moore could hold them in that game uh, against that defense. Just been playing, you know, head and shoulders above years past, so... They've looked good. Obviously, now they're seven and one. So, um, yeah, Matt Moore coming out of retirement It's actually not half bad. Surprising. Andy Reid's a genius. Yep. He also has a mustache. Looks like a walrus. So when I was watching this game back, though. I get to the end of the game and I'm contemplating like how do I feel about the Packers after this game? I just kind of pose the question to myself and I'll pose it to you like beating the Chiefs 31-24, giving up 24 to the Chiefs without Mahomes. Is this a good win for the Packers or is it a bad win like they played down to the Chiefs almost? Yeah, I think that the I mean, Green Bay secondary is still trying to figure it out, and I think that's a that's a big deal for them. Um, again, you get some of these guys out there that are just nightmare matchups. If if it's because their speed, and then you throw Travis Kelsey in there, who's you know a nightmare matchup for most guys on the field. Um, so they tried to take advantage of you know what they've seen in previous games. Uh, like where the Packers struggle on defense. And, uh, you know, Andy Reid's good, very cerebral about those things. He knows, uh, you know, what's going to work and based on what he saw on tape. So, you know, I think just the execution from Moore on his game plan was good. But, I mean, <laughs> at this point, a win's a win. But if you put Mahomes in there, I got to feel like, Kansas City could have put up a little bit more points. So, if this was to be yeah. a Super Bowl matchup, uh, could be a completely different story with Mahomes in there instead. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch, but Packers can't beat the Eagles, so. <laughs> and the Eagles can't beat the Vikings, so I guess it'll be the Vikings. <laughs> But then again, the Vikings can't beat the Packers. We're in an input loop of doom. <laughs> rough, uh, rough one. I think that the way that game went, they were almost so in control offen- un- ooh, offensively 
that they weren't too worried about the back end of the defense and they gave up points. That's all right. We can go back and score. So I'm wondering if, like, this is just the Packers kind of played down to the Matt Moore level and just got sloppy on defense. I mean, yeah, and the Chiefs' defense, too, was, like, smothering Aaron Rodgers all game. They had 12 hits on him. I know they had five sacks, but I'm pretty sure it was 12 quarterback hits, which typically you don't see Rodgers get hit that much uh, just because of, you know, his escapability and his ability to recognize the blitz. Like, you know, most veteran quarterbacks, they see the blitz, they call the hot route, you know, balls out of their hand real quick. But, you know, they put him down there a few times. and um, You know, some of those blitzes that they were throwing his way just – I mean, I couldn't believe that he didn't see him and, you know, check out of whatever they were doing for a play. But it was interesting. All right. And we probably should have done the Vikings game first because it was the Thursday night game. But they did beat Washington 19-9. to They didn't cover, but they did get the win. What do you take away from the Vikings' victory? Uh, I mean, it was really weird. Because it looks like, um, you know, from a stats perspective that the Vikings, you know, had a lot of success on offense. Unfortunately, you know, you fumble, you go for it on fourth and one with a quarterback sneak and Kirk Cousins can't pick up one yard. Um, Just weird things that happened. And I I mean, I said that in the uh, previous episode, too, you know, it being a Thursday night game, it's just... You know, sometimes it's just sloppy. You know, you're weird shit. Happens. Yeah, you get you're on you know limited rest and short preparation, and you know shit just gets wild. But the running backs for me, absolutely excellent. Uh, they combine for 235 yards from scrimmage, and if not for uh, some holding penalties on Elf Line and Brian O'Neill, uh, they probably would have had well over 400 yards <laughs> together. Um, yeah, absolutely nuts. Uh, Dalvin Cook just, you know, continues to be amazing. Another but ninety-eight yards rushing, uh, seventy-three through the air. Even Stefan Diggs, no, no Adam Thielen. Thought maybe we'd see you know Irv Smith Jr., uh, maybe some B.C. Johnson action, but uh, neither of those guys really stepped up. A couple of targets. For BC, two receptions and three targets for Irv Smith, three receptions, but 27 and 21 yards, respectively. Very interesting. But Stefan Diggs uh, continues to try to be the man after he got, you know, upset about not being able to get the ball. He, uh, seven receptions, 143 yards. Did have that one fumble there in the opening drive. And I feel like the Vikings cover, um, if not for that fumble. Yeah, he does that, doesn't he? He now leads the league uh, in fumbles for wide receivers, so not a good thing to be leading the league in. So I was gonna say that's that's a good thing, right? Or no? No, it's not not a good thing. <laughs> but you know, in, in a situation like that, man, like you just gotta hit the deck. <laughs> they kind of had him boxed in. You know, obviously, you know, he wants to be an explosive player and make huge plays, but sometimes you just got to know you've got enough. <laughs> like, get down and, you know, continue on with the drive. 
But even, you know, Kirk Cousins, not a bad game. 23 of 26 for 285 yards. He did get sacked three times, which I thought a couple of those sacks he didn't need to take. But what are you going to do? Elf line continues to kind of just be a head scratcher. There's a couple times guys got by him, and he just like turned around with like a blank stare on his face, looking at the guy. I was like, "What are you doing, dude?" But yeah, there's there's some times with Elfline where like you're like the positive place when you're like watching him in the run game or whatever, and you're just like, "Wow, that's why they went <laughs> that early with him, plug and play guy." And then you know other times he just he looks like an undrafted free agent in his first training camp practice. Yeah, his, he just complete boneheaded plays. You're like, what do you, what this? How does this guy get in the NFL? And he just has this lack of awareness like that. Uh, I don't know. Like his rookie year, he was so good playing center, and then you know, really uh, hit the sophomore slump. And then you know, obviously after that, they they move him to uh to left guard and. I mean, there's got to be somebody on this, you know, depth chart right now that can go in there and do a better job than he does. Like, he's had some good games, but, you know, just like, seriously, you don't have somebody that they could put in there <laughs> to uh, maybe, you know, stop the bleeding a little bit for, because it seems Literally to be like anything. Yeah, it's like, as far as the offensive line is concerned, like, Bradbury's had, you know, Three solid games now in a row. Um, O'Neal's been really good other than those two holding penalties in this game. But, yeah, he glaring weakness. And, you know, if you can share that up, like this offense has been running uh, pretty hot up until this week. So, I mean, still a lot of, uh, a lot of yards. So, I mean, you put 434 yards up, really 19 points. It's kind of rough. Uh, on the other side of the ball, this defense still kind of scares me because when Case Keenum was in there in the first half, like he was having a little bit, little bit of success uh, throwing the ball. Scary Terry. These, yeah, Terry McLaurin looks like a a solid receiver, uh, but he needs to get the hell out of Washington because he's not going to do anything yep. there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they just. The defensive backs more than anything. They're just, they scare the hell out of me. Like, <laughs> it's just going to take, especially this week when you're playing against, like I said, all these speedy guys, these good receivers that the Chiefs have. I mean, there's a there's a chance you can just get torched multiple times um, <laughs> this week. You can score quick. Yeah, and so, like, these guys really got to, you know, it's a little sloppy Joe. They got to tighten it up a little bit. But... Little Joe Roy shout out. Yeah. And then uh Speaking of Joe Roy, sorry to interrupt. Joe Roy hugged me in line for the Buzz Lightyear ride. I ran into Joe at Disney World. Yeah, I saw that you guys were there at the same time. It's pretty funny. I was like, what the hell? Like my wife had just got done telling me, like not ten minutes later, she's like, Oh wow, Joe Joe Roy's here. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And like then he just like ends up walking by. He's like in the fast pass line, and I'm in the, you know, standby line. And I'm like, Joe Roy. <laughs> he turned around. He's like, Hey, buddy, what are you doing here? <laughs> like I'm always here. 
Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No. Other than that, you know, because it was the uh, is week eight, so you know, an every other week thing for <laughs> for the kicking game. But you know, Dan Bailey didn't let us down. Made his Again. made his four field goals. How crazy is that? Scored four field goals and one touchdown against the Washington football team. The Washington Indigenous Peoples. That's what they should change the name well, to. I'll tell you what. They come off as a bad team, and they do stink pretty bad. But they have some pieces that keep them in games longer than they should. I really wish the Eagles would have drafted Terry McLaurin instead of a guy they don't play. Yeah, that's true. Probably would have helped them a little bit more. But uh, Speaking of Washington... Adrian Peterson still continu- continues to carry the load and uh, in this game moved up to number six on the all-time rushing list. So 34 years old, still getting it done. Nice. Oh, their coach has like, been coaching for 34 years and he's still trying to coach like it's 34 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they don't have the wing tee option out there. That would be funny. But that was a uh, that's some good shit right there. That was cool to see um, in Minnesota and just to uh, when they put the the graphic up on the the screens at the U.S. Bank Stadium. They uh, man, that was quite the ovation. So nice to see. It's okay. Yeah, they actually treated him pretty well. Yeah, surprising, but they uh, you know, you like to see uh. You'd like to see guys like that, you know, stick with the team the whole time, but obviously he had his troubles, so I don't need to be uh I think it's okay to not root for Adrian Peterson anymore, but you know, good for him. He's had himself a one hell of a career, but <laughs> not a whole lot to show for it other than being uh six overall on the list. But that's yep. about all I got in this game. Alrighty then uh the Eagles going to Buffalo, which was, you know, when I looked at the game, I said, this is going to be a heavy Carson Wentz is going to have to make some, you know, make some real elite quarterback type plays just to, you know, get close enough a couple times to outscore Buffalo because I expected the defense to be really stout I expected the Bear Buffalo's offense to struggle, but it's the Eagles' defense, so I expected them to score at least two deep bomb touchdowns. Didn't happen. Of course, it was raining, and there was crosswinds of like thirty miles. What they say, twenty-five to thirty miles an hour, steady with gusts over forty. Yeah, definitely good passing weather. <laughs> playing in the elements. because the Eagles the Eagles definitely said we're just going to run the ball and lucky for them they have guys that can run the ball because I mean take a look around the league there are some teams that if they're put in that position where you know you're battling the elements and it doesn't really you know it's not really a, a passing game and I've, we've even seen it a couple times from from the Patriots just struggling in the pass game but you know, their run game hasn't been what it's been in the past couple of years. But, you know, some of these teams, they were just 
they'd die. <laughs> they would just go away because they don't have the ability, you know, or have the guy guys out there that can run the ball. So even when, you know, on the other side of the ball, it's it was a Josh Allen show <laughs> pretty much on the ground. Um, yeah. They do have Frank Gore too, he, but they kind of kept him yeah. in check. None of their none of their running backs did anything. The run game for the Eagles rushed for over 200 yards, and I think Buffalo's leading rusher was Josh Allen with like 40 something. So Buffalo didn't really. How do I want to say this? Buffalo didn't really change their game plan successfully. The Eagles saw that they're not going to be able to throw down field like they would have wanted to, so they just stopped. Everything was short. You know, it was a few intermediate throws from Wentz, but, you know, they didn't try to really push the ball 40 yards downfield. Buffalo tried a couple deep shots, and the wind caught it once, and Allen underthrew it the second time, so... Eagles win 31-13 in what wasn't as much as a blowout as it looks. But let's not re- overreact. The Eagles beat up a bad team again. Until they do this against, you know, the Bears coming up. I may feel a little bit better, but the thing that doesn't really make me feel too great is the defense did get Darby and Mills back, but they also only played Josh Allen. I was listening to a pod on the way home tonight, and they were talking about the film review they did of the game, and Allen missed a couple of, like, oh, my God moments. There was one where Tyler Croft was wide open on one side of the field, like literally nobody on that side of the field with him. Easy touchdown. Allen never sees him because his first read isn't there and he just starts running instead of scanning the field. He's young. He's got some great traits. But he's he struggles. You know, he makes bad decisions on the field. I was gonna so say. the Eagles got lucky a few times instead of, I'm not taking this as, oh, the Eagles defense is back. The team's back. You got to remember, you know, take into perspective who the opponent is. Yeah, well, you talk about, you know, Buffalo being a bad team, but this is only their second loss this year, so <laughs> they've been playing pretty well. And I said, yeah, but even they haven't played anybody either. In my, uh, I said in the uh, pick'em last week that uh, I expected Buffalo's offense to struggle just because I think that the Eagles are able to, you know, put in the put in the plan uh, away, like you said, where. You get quick pressure on him, and you you know flush him from the pocket, and he's just trying to use his legs. And I mean, it worked pretty well, and they still sacked him four times. So I think I was right. <laughs> you get a point, <clears throat> but it's a win. So the season is still alive. Back to five hundred. You're four and yeah, you're four and four. You're. St- you're only a half game back of the division. You know, go get yourself a receiver and put yourself in position to make a run. Or don't. Pause not. And we'll stick for it with Mac Hollins. Great. Yay. <gasps> Wonderful. Awesome. 
No yelling on the bus. <laughs> that Veronica Vaughn. <laughs> I don't know if we're done with the Eagles talk, but it's the uh, top of the seventh in game seven of the World Series right now in Washington. Just went up on the Houston Astros three to two. If the Nationals win this World Series, this would be the first time in American professional sports, like in a series event, that the away team has won every single game. I kind of want Houston to win just because I feel bad for that old guy who owns a mattress store that had to make like a $3 million bet just <laughs> yeah. because if they won, he was going to go bankrupt. No, that's they not, lost. It's not true, though. Like when when you see like furniture companies or jewelry companies or whatever you know they do these if it snows on George's christmas furniture. everything's yeah. free like th- your insurance, insurance will cover that yeah so like he didn't need to go out and make that bet like that's just that would look like more of a flex to me that he was like oh i got the money so i might as well do it but he might have cursed him there is one chicken on the swing Soupy doopy, manoopy goopy. Well, if we. You know what time it is? I think I do. It's all time. All time. Hit it. Studs and duds, studs and duds. It's all time for studs and duds. All right. Studs and duds week eight. Steven's not here. So we can't hear his studs and duds, but I'm sure they would have been Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, and his duds would have been Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. So thanks, Stephen, for throwing those in there for us. Yeah, I mean, that would have been, you know, he's like a basic white girl. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones. It would have been the, the Aaron, the week of the Aaron. So he lazy. He would have said it. So lazy. With his pumpkin spice latte. Just kidding, that's mine. Uh, boots. Anyway, uh, yes. uh, my first stuff <laughs> was uh, Mr. Drew Brees coming back from that thumb injury this week. Uh, Teddy took care of the team pretty well, five and zero. Oh. So Drew comes back, just a a lazy three hundred and seventy three yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and his first game since what was it week two? Uh, they were playing the Cardinals, but still, you know. That team looks real good right now. Yes, they were a Super yes, Bowl pick. They do. And some people questioned, should he have even played? Yeah, I mean, they thought it might have been a week too early, but I mean, three seventy-three and three. I guess he's all right. So they know more than we do. That's what he said. All I, you know, so long as I could grip it and rip it, I thought I was ready to go. So he looked good. He ripped it. He ripped it like a stinky pot. My first stud (laughs) is Tevin Coleman of the San Francisco 49ers. I was actually listening to that game on the radio driving home. 105 yards rushing. Usually that's not a really big deal. Would get you on studs and duds. But he had four total touchdowns. I felt like every time I went over an overpass, Tevin Coleman was scoring a touchdown. I saw the 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 uh you know just the ticker come across the bottom, Panthers thirteen, Forty Nine ers fifty one, and I was like, oh yes, because on my fantasy team I have Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Greg Kittle or George Kittle, what is it? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, they like did nothing. So I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> How do you score fifty-one points and your quarterback and your, you know, your all-star tight end from last year <laughs> don't score touchdowns? Like, what the fuck? But good for him. Uh, in a losing role, I had a stud for me, Nick Chubb, ran for a hundred and thirty-one yards against the Patriots. Now everybody's so hyped up about that defense, and you continue to hear, you know." non-Patriots fans say, well, they haven't played anybody yet. But his ability to go out there and run for 131 yards against this, you know, all-time great defense, um, quite the accomplishment. So he's also on my fantasy team. So that might have influenced a little bit there, but (laughs) the Browns still lost by two touchdowns. But, you know, this kid looks like he's going to be really good. And you, I mean, I continue to wonder, if the Browns are ever going to figure this thing out, or if it's just going to be another Browns season. It already is another Browns season. What are they, 2-5? and five? Whatever it is, yeah, 2-5. and five. It's not good. Also, 300th another win s- for Belichick. Yeah, he smells like gorillas. You know his first career win was the other way? Browns against the Patriots? Yeah, that's outfitting. Funny. But the Patriots were pretty goddamn awful back then. Yes, they were. Part of the reason why I'm a Vikings fan. Missed those days. Not too far away. Okay. My next stud is going to be two Coopers, one cup. (laughs) He's he's on my fantasy team. And his 220 yards and one touchdown made my day, made my win. Holler at you. He's a stud. How do the Rams only score 24 points against the Bengals? I don't know. The Bengals almost beat Seahawks early in the season. <laughs> just, I don't know. I still just don't believe in the Rams at all. I know they're 5-3, no, but I, I can't can't get over just winning by, you know, two touchdowns. I don't, like, as explosive as that offense was last year, score 24 points on them. Just bizarre. Uh, moving over to the duds. My, the duds. My first dud, Mr. Andrew Dalton of those Bengals I was just speaking of. He, uh, so after leading his team to an 0-8 start, they're now benching him, putting in another Allen. I don't remember his first nope. name. Ryan Finley. Oh, is it Ryan Finley? I don't know. What, yep. Who's the other Allen that's going in somewhere? Denver. Oh, yeah, that's where it is. That's right. Flacco's Jojo's got a boo-boo. Herniated disc or whatever. Yeah. He's got a bent vagina. So, you know, him with a, was it Marv Lewis? Was yep. Was the uh, previous head coach. You know, they kind of had some success, but his career has just become, like, <laughs> increasingly more disappointing uh, over the last couple of years. So, now getting benched. Uh, that's not good. You don't you don't want to see that from the uh, redheaded whatever they call him, Ginger Jesus. No, they don't call him that. I do. <laughs> Who you got? My duds gonna start with the Carolina Panthers offensive line. I said I was listening to that game. 
And it wasn't just the Niners O-line punishing the D. The Carolina's O-line was like Swiss cheese. They gave up seven sacks, and I want to say six of them were in the first half. Kyle Allen was just getting smashed. He did not have much time to throw the ball, and he may have held the ball a little too long on some plays. You know, he got a lot of pressures, a lot. He took a lot of hits, but seven sacks. I would not want to be in that old line room when they watch the tape because it's ugh. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Allen's looked really good in uh, replace of Cam Newton, who I think was out there practicing again this week. Um, but yeah, this is the first real bad game we've seen from Kyle Allen, and I mean, you probably have to chalk it up to that Niners defense because they're real good. Um, was it you that said real that good. that Bosa was going to be defensive rookie of the year? No, I think it was Steve, and I said Ed Oliver. Oh yeah, I think Bosa's <laughs> like head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Good pick, good pick by the Forty ers Guess all the. Injuries last year weren't in vain because seven and zero, seven and zero. The Niners, just like we all predicted. Yeah, and uh, speaking of just like we predicted, the New York Jets are one and six now. My second dud, Mister Le'Veon Bell. They paid him all that money, twenty three rushing yards this week. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> How much guaranteed? I don't even know, but too much for. <laughs> I don't even know if I can be mad at game. him because that team sucks so bad. Yeah, they do. That's it's a shame. Good talent goes to a shitty team, and you know, one one guy can't turn around a football team. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely not, especially a running back. But all right, my last dud, and it's a doozy. It's going to be Mr. Matt Nagy, coach of the Chicago Bears, because this guy let Trayvon Hester's two fingers totally fuck up his life forever because he cannot find a kicker to make a kick for the life of him. After Eddie Pinheiro was the savior of the Cleveland Browns, that one week he made one kick, (laughs) he misses the potential Game-winning kick against the Chargers. The Bears end up losing. Matt Nagy and his freaking kicker rampage has totally screwed up his team. It's in everyone's head on special teams, and it makes me laugh. The look on Trubisky's face when he missed the kick, too. (laughs) He looked like Eli. I was going to say he went to the Manning (laughs) Academy of Faces. I love the... You know, the, the post game. So Matt Nagy decides, what was it, on second down to take a knee and then go out and kick the field goal. Like, you know, take the knee, run it down, call timeout with only a couple seconds left, and then try to kick it to win it. And then in the post game press conference, he says, just let me make this clear. I had zero intention of running the ball, zero intention of passing the ball. Why? You know your kicker stinks. Why not try to get him like three yards closer? I don't know. That seems like a great idea to me. Here's an idea. If you had a competent quarterback, you could just get the ball down the field and score a touchdown that, and completely ice the game. Yeah, that just that Vikings loss to the Bears just looks 
so much worse every single week. Drives me up a fucking wall. Like, I can't believe they couldn't figure it out to beat that team because they just look terrible. All right. That's probably going to do it for my studs and duds. Matt Nagy, I hope you never find a kicker. If you've enjoyed our show, follow us on Twitter. Twitter? At at Twitter. (laughs) At Joint Practices. We all have Twitter as well. At 11 the Go. At The Knock Says. Steven's not here, but you follow him. At Steven JPP. Email us. JointPracticesPod at gmail.com. We have a segment called 7 on 7s. We'd love to have somebody on. Tell us about their team. Tell us about how they became a team. And if they believe Bigfoot's real. So... Hit us up. Seriously, Sean will ask you questions like that. So, <laughs> you know, if you're listening, go ahead. You know, rate, review, and subscribe. Get the nice little notification. Hey, there's a new episode available. It's this one, episode number fifty-nine. Um, but if you're <laughs> if you're also on Twitter this week, why don't you go ahead and hit us up with the hashtag Trade These Nuts. Let us know that you're listening. <laughs> Uh, great hashtag this week. Please go ahead and use that one. I don't know if he wants to trade like pistachios for pecans or what, but I would never trade the mighty pistachio. How dare you? No cashews are where it's at. Although they have like uh, some company Cashew has like outside, the, it's like chili powder uh, pistachios or some shit. They're really good. Mm. Yeah, trade My these wife nuts. Pumpkin spice popcorn. What the fuck? Oh, so good. Oh, my God. I thought, like... I was supposed to bring it into work to share, but I ate it all. I saw, like, pumpkin jam or something the other day, and I was like, who's this fucking asshole that's buying this stuff? I hate pumpkin stuff. Anyway, trade these nuts. That pumpkin hit. You know what? These nuts didn't trade anything. They're in the trade deadline, so... But thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Steven, we miss you. One of these weeks, we're going to get the three-man band back together. (laughs) It's a three-man band. (laughs) (laughs) That happened. Live on the pod, folks. On the recording. Thanks for stopping by. (laughs) Okay, Ron. Fly goes fly. (laughs) Actually, Adam Adam Thielen and his wife... uh, Dressed up as Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone for Halloween. Fuck you, San Diego. <laughs> oh, they don't have a football team anymore, but LA's closer. No, fuck them for not having a football team. Yep. Skull Vikings, baby. Fly goes fly. We'll see you on the next one. We out! <laughs>